Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show is a longtime friend of mine. He is a amazing person. He's a jack of all trades and an ace of all trades. Uh, he's he's a I don't even know what type of scientist he is. He's also in two bands, and he's just all around a cool guy. On today's show, we have Gio. How are you, Gio? Doing all right, Josh. Thanks for having me. And I think the jury's still out on the whole uh, amazing person. No, I, I'm the jury. The I'm votes are the, the jury and the executioner. The, have deemed it so. The votes aren't in just yet. So, give me your name as it appears on your driver's license. Giordano Faustini Zimmer da Silva. All right. So that's. So that's why I started by calling you Gio, because I was it was a treacherous landscape to cross there. Yeah, it's uh, a you know, the burden of being South American. You just tack on family names. So, uh, but those who know and love you, Gio, it is right. Yeah, Gio, Grandmaster G. Grandmaster G. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your porn name again? Uh, Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Mayonnaise. Man- man- yeah. 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 <laughs> So anyway, I know you, gosh, uh, it would probably be going back to the late 80s, early 90s, give or take. We it would have just been, I think you were a year or two behind me at St. Pete High. Is that right? That uh, Yeah, one year, I think. Class okay. of 95. Yeah, so I was class of 94, you were yeah. 95. Yeah. Now, you were born in Brazil, correct? Yeah, Gio from Rio, they call me. Gio from Rio. Yeah. Where, where exactly in Brazil? In Rio, downtown Rio. Oh, for, yeah, for yeah. Rio. I am what they call Carioca da Gema, which means like uh, Carioca is somebody from Rio. Jema uh, means yoke. There's a word, and I forget what it is, and I thought uh, Pat Clemwish, who you also know we went to school with, it was on the other day, said it, but I remember in jiu-jitsu, if one Brazilian called the other Brazilian this word, it turned into a fight in the parking lot, and it was, you know, the equivalent of, like, the N-word here, but it, it, it was a derogatory thing to call another Brazilian. Do you know what that would be? No, I okay. don't. I know because I'm nice. Okay. No, actually, I, I I say horrible, horrible things. Okay. I wish I wish I, I wish I could remember, but there's one there's one instance in particular. I remember a younger uh, guy that was uh, Brazilian called one of the older guys that was Brazilian this, and the older guy got walked over and just open hand oh, wow. slapped him right yeah. across the face. Anyway, so how long were you in Brazil before you came to the states? Uh, I moved here when I was 14. Oh, wow. Okay. So school system wise, uh, where were you in school? Uh, I had just finished uh, eighth grade. So is it the same over there, or is it a little bit different? Well, the school year runs from February until about November, December. So when I came to the States in uh, late 91, December 19th, I landed on on Plymouth Rock. (laughs) Um, I started the school year kind of halfway through. Why is it that you ended up moving here? Situation in Brazil was pretty bad in the 90s, uh, politically, economically. It just wasn't really um, a, a good or safe place to be. It still isn't. Uh, politically, what was the situation down there? So it was the end of, um, so the, the last general came out of power in 84. They had a direct election, uh, the first in 24 years or something like that. And um, that person who was elected was, uh, uh, he, he died before he took office. Oh, wow. Mysterious causes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some he spec- fell on a knife a few times. <laughs> he, fell, he fell on the bad side of the CIA, probably. Yeah. Um, and then there was a, a new government that took over that was quite corrupt. 
basically ran the, uh, the, the country into the ground with pri privatization and, and just never a good idea. And what were your parents? For, what, were, what, were, what was their profession? Or... Um, my dad was a hairstylist. Oh, was he really? Yeah, yeah. That would explain your beautiful My locks. My mane. Your mane. I, don't, I don't know, man. I just use camel, camel yeah. spit every morning. <laughs> it just, just comes out this way. What about and your mom? My mom was a homemaker. Was she? Yeah, yeah. So you could get by in Brazil as a hairstylist and a homemaker? Uh, yeah, back then, yeah. And now, do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister. And how old is she? She's five years older than I am, so 47. Where does she live? San Francisco. Does she really? She does, yeah. Does she have kids? She does not. No, we're uh, we're ending the uh, genetic line here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're doing everything a favor. Yeah, I am. Just right. putting a period at the end of the sentence. Uh, you, 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 you've uh, contributed to society enough on that, <laughs> that aspect. you got so, two kids. So. What does she do over in San Francisco? Well, she just got laid off today. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she is uh, uh, suffering from the whole coronavirus shutdown thing what of was industry. Her job, well, she works for. Uh, she's an artist, right? Okay. Uh, so she does her. Uh, she curates shows. She has her own thing called Cloaca Projects. Okay. Yeah, like the chickens, like the birds' cloaca. Okay. Yeah. So she does work a lot on the avant-garde modern oh, art wow. uh, installations. And she curates a lot of shows, but she also um, was working for, you know, uh, high-end furniture design yeah. company okay. yeah, for, for the 1%. For the 1%. Now, yeah. do you have much memory of your Brazil days? Oh, yeah, yeah. How was it growing yeah. up in Brazil? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> tough, I guess. I've heard, you know, my, my, my uh, knowledge of life in Brazil is a pastiche of... City of God and talking to my jiu-jitsu professors, so that's <laughs> it, well. It's probably pretty accurate, actually. City of God. There's a there's a documentary at the end of the movie called Mandabala, uh -huh. uh, which literally means throwing bullets or sending bullets. Okay. Um, that talks about the the real situation, uh, crime and corruption and poverty, and how that all creates a vicious cycle. Uh, and it's so it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So I I think I was. I was robbed like seven times by the age of 14, which is insane. So, like in the street, you know. So my uh, jiu-jitsu professor, Hobson Mora, he's told me some stories. He told me that one story that I, it's probably not good, but it, 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 I thought it was pretty cool is that there was like these people that would have these fights with kites where they would put like glass on the strings Yeah, of I did kites. that, yeah. What, what is that all about? Well, so flying kites is just a, is just a, a hobby yeah. that you have as a kid. It's cheap. You make your own. We used to make our own. But they were like kite battles. Yeah, they are. And, and you do that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they still do it, but growing up is one of the things we used to do. So what, what you, you'd get um, uh, the glass you'd get is actually from light bulbs. You grind up light bulbs because it's very fine, dust, fine, yeah. fine dust. And then you kind of make, make a mixture with glue and you run it on the uh, on a string, on a oh. kite string. And you start flying your kite up in the air. You see somebody up there. You like their kite. You want to take it. So you start chasing them. Yeah, you start chasing them. But if if I remember, like he was saying, like the stakes were high. Like some of these, like were like gang fights or something like that. Yeah, kind of. It could get that it way. Meant something more than just you know. Yeah, it could. It could in in some places. Yeah, but 
uh, at least for me, I wasn't in a gang, so. <laughs> wow, I think that's a missed opportunity for like the Hunger Games or Marathon Man or something. They should have had a sequel about Kite Wars. Yeah, you know, it should be, uh, you know, if MS-13 had the, yeah. <laughs> had uh, just kite battles as Fly opposed to, over yeah. The, over the wall. Yeah, instead yeah. of shooting each other. Well, I guess we wouldn't have Narcos, which is a pretty good series. <laughs> or, like, or like three of the eight Fasts and Furiouses. Yeah, well, well wow, nine, it's nine now, right? Or I ten. Know, I yeah, I don't know. I've never seen one of them. So, um, so that was one story. And then the other story, as I recall it is, uh, so Hobson's kind of like second in command when I started, uh, doing jujitsu, his name was Flavio Canup and he was an amazing individual. He's one of these people that would just do random shit for the sake of doing it. And I think if he doesn't still at some point, he held the record for longest scooter ride. And so he actually took like a, um, what are the, what are the cool ones called that they drive around in england uh like vespa Vespa. He, yeah, took, yeah. he took a vespa from brazil to alaska wow yeah like insane but he told me stories about being like held in detention at the the border and having to like pay his way out being held at gunpoint at gas stations and all this other stuff and you know the 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 way you guys talk about it, it seems like, yeah, that was just a, a Thursday for us. You know, any of these would be PTSD events for, you know, people in the Tampa Bay area. But yeah. it seemed like kind of just, you know, the normal course of business down there. Yeah, it, it, it just becomes part of your life. You don't think about it um, until you're elsewhere. People always ask me, uh, do you miss Brazil? And I go, I try to go back once a year. I mean, it's beautiful. To visit my parents. Yeah. But uh, the, um, yeah, it's beautiful. The world is a beautiful place. Yeah, uh, everywhere, really. Yeah. But it's also an ugly place everywhere. There's treachery so. and beauty coexisting. One man's excrements, another man's soap. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you came? Did you come directly to Tampa or the Tampa Bay area? No, no. Uh, funny. Uh, I landed in Miami, Miami. I was living with my grandma and her husband. Okay. In Donellan. Donellan. Okay. Yeah. So I went from living in the big city. To living in Donellan, Florida. Yeah, yeah, that well, was a shock. Been a welcome uh, reprieve from. It was for about five six minutes. months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the silence was deafening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, had you already been into music at that point, or did that come later? No. So uh, it's one of the things too that I guess a lot of people take for granted. Um, music was always part of. It's part. Of, it's part of the Brazilian life, really. Yeah. Uh, and if you were a guy, you just learned to play guitar, and if you're a girl, you learn to play the piano. So, you, so I had you picked it up down there. Yeah, yeah. Formal lessons or just self-taught or no? I took I took lessons. Uh, funny enough, from a girl oh, <laughs> who really? knew, who knew well, how to play. She knew how to play both. My sister was taking piano lessons from her, uh, and then I was taking guitar lessons. Because I, you know, I if if I try and remember when I met you, it was around uh, my first or second year at St. Pete High. You were a year behind, and you became friends with John Kelly. I don't know how right. the two of you met. Um. It was in biology class. Oh, so you met at school? Yeah, we did. Uh, he used to come and talk. I had just moved to St. Pete High. He used to come and talk to an, uh, another friend of ours uh, about one? about comic books. Oh, who who are the who's the kid who owned like the the restaurant over there on Fifth Avenue, the redhead? There's a, I don't know. Wasn't there two other guys that you guys were friends with and he, they had? Oh, that... oh, Pat Milberger yeah, yeah. and uh, Joe Myrella. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Was that one of them? Uh, no, so that friendship came... We're really appealing to the broad listeners. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Generally, we're just going to start naming the entire yearbook, year by year. Um, John actually became friends with them. Okay. Uh, but that came later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I, I'm trying to remember because I knew he was in the guitar and you were in the guitar. Yeah. I don't know who. Obviously, I think you, you kind of preceded him in that and were, you know, if, if you were doing it in Brazil before you. Yeah, chronologically it. speaking, yeah. 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 And you did all four years at St. Pete High? No, no. It was, uh, uh, I came to St. Pete High in 90, let's see, 93. And what did you do? Just your last two years? Yeah, or? yeah. Okay. Then where'd you go to undergrad? Uh, well, I went to St. Pete College, St. Pete Junior College at the time. Um, then I was there from 95 to 98. Okay. Then I took a little bit of a break. Um, and then went back to college at USF. Was that break music related at all? No, that break was just being lazy, really. Well, maybe lazy or tired. And, you know, I got caught, I got caught up on the whole, um, oh, I'm making decent money. Maybe I would just do that. And then one day my, my good friend who was my roommate, Rachel. Uh, hi, Rachel. Hmm. Uh, I, I I think I was partying a little bit too much and yeah. going a little too wild. Yeah. And uh, But I paid the rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember I walked in the door and she said something uh, along, the lines, along the lines of, wow, you really uh, are turning to be a pretty good loser. Yeah. Uh, and I think loser was the word she used. Um, stuff stuck to your ribs. It it did, and yeah. well, it was a, an awakening. It's like, well, yeah, that's right. I, I I came here for better opportunities, and somehow being a department manager at Target didn't really uh, actually coalesce. Those were the salad days at Target. Oh that yeah, was, yeah, Target. Target. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at some point, you end up at USF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, you were uh, in school with my brother-in-law Brian Basiglio for a period of time. Yeah, we took a chemistry lab together. Okay. Uh, he was my lab partner. And so how long were you at USF? Uh, I was there from 99 as an undergrad uh, until 2002. Okay. And what did you get your undergrad degree in? Chemistry. Okay. Yeah. And what, what, what did you do after? I went to graduate school. Where did you go? At USF. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And so what was your graduate degree in? In chemistry. I'm a chemist. You're a chemist. Yep. So if, if push came to shove in this, uh, in this economy, you could make meth and we could sell it out of a... Uh, yep. Camper. Yeah, yeah, good quality stuff too. Good quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend has it. Yeah, <laughs> I know how to distill. Yeah. So, uh, got what, what? How did chemistry come down as, as your your path? Was you know, it? it's it's a, a funny funny thing uh, to me. And looking back in my family history, I was actually just um, interested in learning, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, I, as an undergraduate, actually developed an interest in even religious studies. You're just intellectually curious, I would say. Yeah, and I just kind of, everything just came easy to me. And I'm not bragging. I mean, I studied hard, but it it seemed like it was easy because I was having fun doing it. Right. And chemistry was the the hardest thing that I was studying. So I figured... Biggest challenge. Yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) Because I like to torture myself. So, uh, out of grad school with a chemistry degree, did you go right into where you're at now, or did you... No, no, no. So, uh, and the reason uh, I mentioned family history, too, is it turns out that in my my mom's side of the family, uh, we were chemists and pharmacists dating back to the 1800s, oh, really? uh, 1800s, but I didn't know that. Like, we didn't really talk about this. We're not that kind of family that rem- reminisced on genealogy all that much right. that knowledge came much later yeah and independent of i knew, I knew that my grandfather was a pharmacist but he wasn't part of the picture sure uh, he's kind of a jerk oh, yeah. uh yeah so 
jerking it, it, yeah so I, I i just i think i just had it in my genes somewhere to be a a scientist somewhere so what was your first job out of grad school uh, well a postdoctoral fellow right oh, yeah so talk about that yeah so um I was a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Texas Medical School in Houston. Okay. Then at Rice University. Okay, and what did that um, involve? Well, a lot of uh, research, a low paycheck, and a lot of research. Now, did you get to pick what you researched, or did they just tell you? Oh what yeah. You're working on. Yeah, it's a kind of a relationship, right? Because uh, they're paying you to do research that's funded by a, a grant. Usually an NIH or NSF grant. So I was just talking to Pat Klemowesh about this on Friday, and he was talking about different grants he had where he mm -hmm. was in. Uh, he went to Brazil, but he was further up in like the the north country, and then he did another one in uh, Peru or Kenya. So, yeah. So um, first, I, I went in as a as a postdoctoral fellow on an existing grant, but then I got my own research grant. I was a at one point in time, considered the top ten percent of uh, people in the uh, really in the yeah in the states yeah oh, wow uh, had a NIH fellowship okay. a postdoctoral fellowship individual fellowship yeah so that was did you that discover was, anything did you create anything did I just you... I discovered many things yeah <laughs> m most of which people don't care uh, don't care about but uh, in grad school I did a lot of work on Alzheimer's related oh, wow. research yeah uh, as a chemist we identified and, and my professor still at USF and we maintain. Uh, unlike a lot of scientists, we maintain a good working relationship or a good personal relationship too. Maybe it was the wine or the beer. Yeah. But uh, we um, just had an interest in neurodegeneration, uh, and there was a lot of research coming out all around that time. Like causes, chemical yeah, causes. Yeah, yeah. So we really we weren't. I mean, we're chemists, right? So we're not really dissecting brains or anything like that. Uh, but we there was some there was a lot of chemistry, uh, neurochemistry being proposed in literature that was just wrong. Yeah. Um, and no one was challenging it, and we decided, hey, maybe we'll maybe we'll do it. Is it genetic? Is it hereditary? Is it cause both? Yeah, yeah, can, um, either or. Yeah, so there's a familial type, and there's an acquired. Mo most cases are acquired. Usually, okay. familial types are early onset. And acquired, what what have the causes been identified? Uh, well, you know, everybody talks about uh, prion type beta amyloid plaques. Okay. And the, the, the jury's still out on the uh, cause and effect. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, I know that there's some, uh, I have to be careful about talking about what you do currently because you're, you're here as a scientist today. Yeah. Not as an agent or representative of any corporation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the work I do, and I'll... I'll uh, well, just generally speaking, we'll what is it, it yeah. that you do currently? So, uh, I'm a medical science liaison, okay. which that's, a, in essence, a consultant. Okay. Uh, but we're not... You know, contractors. We are employees of a of a company Certain usually. Company. And so, how are you consulting? What are you consulting about? So, uh, I work now in the field of uh, hematology, okay. uh, benign hematology. They call it. Um, basically, just means non non tumor related, right? Okay. So, uh, specifically, in bleeding and clotting disorders, okay. hemophilia, okay. uh, von Brand's disease. Thrombotic, thrombocytopenic, purpurous. So that. are you... <laughs> Say that several times over. So are you consulting doctors? Are you consulting companies? Are you Both. Okay. Yeah, so I act as a... Basically an, uh, an educator uh, for physicians. Okay. Uh, and I do uh, identify new research opportunities also to be funded okay. with our, with our uh, portfolio. Uh, and in turn, in that conversation, I also help inform our medical strategy and 
clinical trials. And, and that stuff. requires you to trial, uh, travel a good deal, isn't that true? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the road quite a bit. Not, for, not right, except yeah. for right now. We'll talk about the coronavirus in a little bit. But sure. So that's the, the, the one side of your brain. But the other side of your brain is you are quite an accomplished guitarist and musician. I know you'll argue that with me, but... Um, you, you know, I was listening to uh, some of your albums this morning, and it's it's been a minute since I was kind of aware of your music, but I recall quite vividly back in high school how uh, much into it you were and John. In fact, we went to a number of concerts, and I was even going to talk about our famous uh, incident at uh, Janice Landing maybe at some point. But, sure. Um, a day that will live in infamy. A, a day, the day of infamy. <laughs> Everybody remembers where they were on that day. But... Uh, so you you became uh, quite prolific in, in, in playing. Now, I, I kind of heard about this uh, after the fact uh, when we had the opportunity to go out not too long ago at Four Green Fields and kind of catch up. But um, I, I was kind of unaware of this whole New World Brewery scene, um, but it seems like you and John lived it as it was happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were in there. So what year would this have been? Well, those between 2000 and probably 2007, yeah. When did John move away? Uh, John was in town. I, I left in 07. I left to Houston okay. in, when I graduated. And um, John was in town probably for another two years. Okay. And were you both playing there at the time in different bands? Or? I, actually, I wasn't playing in a band at all at that time. No, John was. He was, a, was it the one that he's currently in? No, no, no. So he was playing in a band called Life of Pi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've never heard that. I've heard his new one, the black, what's it called? Old Bottle Black. Old Bottle Black. Yeah, that's his own creation up in um, Seattle. Seattle area. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got the Blackout Vipers and Liquid Kitchen. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And those are both in, a, in, in existence currently? Uh, well, I don't think that, so the Blackout Vipers, well, the, both of those started in Houston. Um, uh, Which makes it hard. <laughs> well, yeah, and not anymore, right? Yeah. But. So Jason Landry, who's a singer and primary songwriter in Liquid Kitchen, moved to Vegas, actually. Okay. So he's in Vegas. The bass player's in Vegas. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm in Florida. Uh, and the drummer, the last drummer we had was still in Houston. So the last gig we played was in October. I actually mm -hmm. flew in. Uh, they drove from Vegas. I flew in. We played a gig. But you just put out, or at least from streaming services, it looks like both bands put out an album last year. At least put them on streaming. Yeah, it finally hit the the streaming thing. When did last that Blackout Vipers album come out? Uh, probably about a year and a half. Well, no, it came out. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. And what about Liquid Kitchen? That's an older album. That's okay. been that's been done for quite a spell. How would you, uh, how would you uh, characterize the style of both those bands? <laughs> well, Liquid Kitchen is a what I always called, you know, just pure rock and roll i mean it's not prog it's not pop it's it, yeah. i i wear my my likes on my sleeves as far as playing goes if it if it's not jimmy page it's not good enough well what i love about you is you're a brazilian chemist who has a uh a uh proclivity towards southern rock you know or and just classic rock and you know i've always thought that was amazing yeah yeah i mean i like brazilian music too i mean i'm a well, big sure I'm, but i mean you, you got you got kind of a redneck southern fry taste in, in rock music well, well it's true and and you know i was just thinking about this yesterday in, in terms of music and i heard something um online i was watching some kind of thing on youtube you know the the, the stuff that we just gravitate to sometimes it's not it wasn't deliberate i wasn't trying to like that stuff but when i moved to the states um it was a it was a, it was a very rich time in music maybe arguably the last great 
rock and roll cycle we had, right? Yeah. Metallica was the biggest thing. Red Hot Chili Peppers we, that you love. That was the biggest thing. It was on the radio Nirvana, all the time. Nirvana and Alice in Chains. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, um, and, and my sister has always been musically. Is that where you kind of were introduced to it at a young age, or was it your parents or both? Or? Um, music was always in the house. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like, but it wasn't. But it music. wasn't rock. Uh, but the first thing ever, my first memory of loving music was Elvis. Really? Yeah. So that was playing in the house. It was. Yeah, we had one record, which I I found a copy of it recently. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I bought it. That's uh, awesome. Uh, so, I loved it. I had no idea what he was saying. Yeah. And and. But there's a swagger there, you know. It just it captivated me. Yeah. Sonically. Yeah. And it sounded like this to me. And because I had no idea what the words, on, yeah. yeah, what the words were, but I just loved it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now the back in Brazil, what what are some of the styles of music that are indigenous to Brazil? Well, I guess today uh, the big the big international sort of export is samba. Okay. Right. Um, are there some lesser knowns? Yeah. Well, so classical music. Okay. Uh, Villa Lobos is a very famous composer. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So part of a traditional repertoire. Okay. Um, and he combined uh, influences of samba, that Afro sort of yeah. native combination of music, uh, with uh, Bach. That's crazy. Yeah, influences. When was this being done? Was this... In twentieth century. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. this is a more contemporary yeah, type yeah. of classical music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about instruments? Are there any kind of Brazilian indigenous instruments? I spent a lot of time talking to Pat about the uh, Kamale Ngoni and the Kora and some other stuff. Are there? Yeah, so. I feel like there's a lot more of a percussive history in Brazil. There is. Um, th we do have uh, something that looks like a, 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 like a mandolin. Uh -huh. uh, we call it cavaquinho. It's 10 strings. Cavaquinho. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, cuica. Cuica? Yeah, so if you, it's a percussion instrument, you probably heard it a lot. And well, if you listen to samba, you hear in the background going. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's basically a drum with a stick in the middle, and you rub the stick. Well, there was an arcade fire slightly album phallic. that they did that was very uh, <laughs> Haitian and Brazilian in nature, and I think that instrument got used a lot. In yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I digress. So, um, did you get to tour at all with these bands? Did, were... So. Uh, Black, uh, the Liquid Kitchen, we did sort of regionally a little. Yeah. So Texas, Louisiana yeah. area. Um, with Blackout Vipers, we played a lot of gigs yeah. uh, locally, but we never traveled. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Blackout Vipers is a definitely what I call big dumb rock. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's I, I dug them both, <laughs> and they're very different from kind of what I traditionally uh, go to, but they're a welcome change, so I, I really liked it. Now, at some point, uh, you... Uh, came across one of our earlier guests in the show, Sean Kyle. Yeah. How did you yeah, meet yeah. him? Uh, Sean uh, was actually, my first memory of him, he was working at Sam Ash in North Tampa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we just, we, John and I were guitarded yeah. for a long guitar time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We collect guitars and so knee on. Deep, knee deep in being guitarded right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your collection is increasing by, by the month, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Too bad my skill level isn't, but. And Sean, uh, I also was playing a lot in a band called the Bovilles, right? So he played all over Tampa. So you were around Tampa. that time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, we hung out at New yeah. World Brewery all the time. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that night we were at Four Green Fields, I tell the story to people who know him is we were sitting there, you and I just, you know, bullshitting. And he walks in and he looks like he's out of a movie. He's got like his... 
you know, easy rider motorcycle helmet on. He like pulls his gloves off, walks up to the bar and just kind of sidles up to us and starts talking and proceeds to tell me these crazy stories about people that he knows and yeah. producing stuff and being a, a, a guitar appraiser and all this other stuff. And it was very interesting conversation. But at some point at the end of the night when he left, I looked at you and I was like, is that guy for real? And you're like, yeah, pretty much. That's, that's pretty much Sean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got a chance to interview him and ask him about that stuff. But he's, he's quite an interesting character. Um, so I wanted to, two things before we go, uh, well, three things before we go. But so I, I want to hear your recollection of the uh, Janus Landing incident of, it would have been 94 or 95. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. I remember it a certain way, but I don't know if I misremember it. Well, I think that what happened was we, we came across, uh, there were uh, four of us. It was me, John, Joe, and you were there. Um, I only remember you and John. Yeah, Joe Marello was there too. Okay. Uh, and maybe Pat, because they were always together. And I, uh, was, I was, I think it was the summer I was back from my first year in college. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I remember we came across a couple that was uh, having a fight. And they were, quite, they were both quite inebriated. And where were we? Uh, somewhere outside Janus. But what's the, what's the club that's the bar that's, that was right uh, there? I don't remember. By the back entrance into Janus. There's a... No, not the Pelican. No. No. Uh, Mas Masteries. Masteries, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I was, you know, a little, I can't be a little bit of a jerk. So I start <laughs> because the woman was beating on the guy and I started making fun or laughing and pointing or something. Uh, and then the guy did not like it, saw that, you know, I was a young punk so to speak in his mind probably uh walked up to me and basically just i had long hair back then pulled my hair down and yeah. was about to hit me when you know, josh's muscular hands yeah. <laughs> materialized in, in the way and proceeded to kind of just you know shove the guy i remember uh, off the two of us just blasting each other in the fit like punching each other in the face my my cheekbones swole up to the size of a tennis ball i i see i thought he got hit and, but I don't. I, know I, I, don't I took one because that was the first time I can remember in my life ever being hit out of anger and it connecting. Yeah. Um, but and I, I, I remember you being angry with me for quite quite a long time. Well, so but the two the two the two parts of that story that I, I always think back on, which are funny or whatever, is number one is I felt like five or six homeless people came out of the woodwork to like tell us to go get in a car before the police came. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. I was like, the police are coming. To, like, they were helping us, like, you know, escape the scene of the crime. That was the first thing. And then I remember I had, my adrenaline was going so hot and heavy from that. I didn't feel anything or think anything at the time. But then when I came home, my cheek was just killing me. My parents were asleep in their bedroom. And I woke them up and told them what had happened. And I just started crying, like, uncontrollably. That was, like, the first real fight I had ever been in my life. Yeah, and so, I remember you being pretty mad at me about that. I, th I thought I was mad at John. You should... No, you're mad. You're, we'll just I, make it John's fault. We'll make it John's fault because it, the funny thing is, that, you know, uh, another thing we did for many years, um, John and I have in common, is martial arts. Uh -huh. And what was uh, the name of that guy that had the, the facility, the uh, studio right there on Amir. Amir, yeah. Yeah, and John was doing that full on. And talk about being not having the proper training at the time. I think now it's different. Yeah. He went on to train with much better people. Yeah. Uh, I think if need be, John could definitely step in today yeah, yeah uh but at the time he just froze yeah so <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't it like Candlebox or who who was it that was playing there 
I swear it was Candlebox. It probably it was. was. Yeah. yeah. Um, no good comes from Candlebox. No good comes from it. Last time, like, uh, we, my wife and I, we uh, we confess to have a secret like of Candlebox, right? We, we don't advertise it, but yeah. one time, the last time we listened to it, we got into a fight in the car. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no good it's comes out of Candlebox. <laughs> So, uh, kind of what I, I've been wanting to have you on, but the uh, social media post that kind of triggered me asking you to do it this week was, uh, you and I tend to make a lot of jokes during times of great tragedy on social media, but... Yeah, we need the relief. That's right. But you came in and said, uh, you know, I'm going to be serious about this for a second. If anybody has any questions about the coronavirus, sure. Ask yeah. Me. So, um, I don't even know where to begin here, but... Uh, you know, one thing about it that strikes to me is like, why now? Like, it seems like. So here's here's the the, the faulty premise that I have. My my knee jerk reaction is to say it's never happened before. Why is it happening right now? The truth is, is, we've had influenza, we've had bird flu, we've had all these other things. So this is not necessarily a new phenomenon. Is that correct? It's not. Okay. And what what are some of the other ones that we've had in recent history? Well, so H5N1, H1N1, SARS, yeah. uh, you know, I think one of them is SARS. Okay. Um, uh, those are those are the more recent. There have been some uh, meningitis outbreaks and there have been, well, what you don't hear about a lot of times maybe is dengue is a huge problem. Dengue it's, fever. It, yeah, it's in, in South America, it's a huge problem yeah. uh, in third world countries. Subtropical. Does it come from like polluted water or? No, it comes from uh, mosquitoes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So in the your... polluted waters is where they breed. Okay, so your your study. Cholera. Cholera. Yeah, cholera is a big problem in Brazil for. Really? Quite... Yeah, yeah, and in a recent past, past twenty years. So these are all things that are just kind of out there, but for whatever reason, this one is is coming to the the front of the the media landscape. Nature's like the stock market, right? And when things get out of control, there's a readjustment. Yeah. And every once in a while things like that happen. So, did you have much opportunity to study this stuff in your chemistry career or No, no. I mean, uh, epidemiology and infectious diseases were never really my thing. Okay. Uh but, you know, I close enough to working at a medical school and Is it um, is it fair play to say you work in pharmaceuticals? I yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, medicine and and so understanding this stuff there is some crossover there is actually um there's a my company does have a big vaccine uh, division okay so is that where you think this is headed coming up with a vaccine for it or, or so uh there are multiple avenues to explore here um they'll have a vaccine okay um probably not for another two years that's my guess Maybe sooner, maybe, right. but not nothing. The next, obviously, the yeah. next month. Yeah, they can't just spit uh, out vaccines. No, no, because then you have to do a clinical. Testing, you yeah. have to do clinical trials and yeah. so on. Uh, but there will be some treatments probably in the near future, uh, plasma derived uh, treatments. So you can actually take people who've been exposed to the virus, then but never developed the infection, so they have some kind of natural hyperimmunity to this specific virus, we can isolate those immunoglobulins from the, those types of people and then produce uh, a treatment. Like a synthetic uh, replication? Or? No, it would be plasma-derived. Okay. Yeah. So uh, as far as recent history, what, what do you feel this most closely uh, emulates as far as the things that we face, as far as how it's transferred, how contagious it is? How harmful it is. Well, really, Can you draw a correlation there. Yeah, the flu is really the closest correlation, right? Different, different type of virus altogether. Um, I think that 
anytime there's a kind of a species jump on a vir virus or bacteria, um, we don't have exposure to it. Right. Especially if it's a, a wild animal, right? It's not well, where's, like, where are they thinking this started? I mean, I've heard jokes about someone eating bat soup and then... Yeah, it, bats, then, I've heard bat soup, I've heard pangolin, I've heard... Uh, I've heard biological warfare from uh, China as no, payback for tariffs and all no, this No, 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 that's, that's silly. Yeah. Um, probably, I, I don't think we know yeah. where it came from. I yeah. mean... How we, important is it to know where it came from? Probably not the most important thing right now. Okay. But it may help understand some some treatment strategies for the future moving forward yeah the thing that scares me most about it well the two things that scare me most about it number one is if this were much worse than it is i mean what a what a great trailer for what the end of the world looks like right you yeah know, like i mean if this were like I, I i don't know but one of the quote-unquote bad ones it's crazy. You know, I was listening to that guy on uh, Rogan that I sent you the, the thing. Yeah, listen to that. Like a clinical forensic uh, immunologist. I forget what it was, but he was talking about how it, uh, what do they call it? What do they call it where it's uh, over time the numbers grow? There's a there's a phrase for it. The, oh, I'm drawing a blank now, but like it goes from two to six to 14 to. Uh, exponential. Exponential growth. How right. quickly that happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and where we are in the timeline versus China and Italy. And yeah. All these things, and I mean, you know, this one. Uh, evidently, there's com complications if you're older. There's complications if you have underlying health issues. Right. Uh, I've heard him say that there's complications for obese people. Yeah, obesity is a, a hyper or hypoimmune. Yeah. Uh, state. Yeah. So that that's really where it could kind of hit the U.S. in a in a bad way. Right. Yeah. According according to him, uh, that that well, it's a possibility. Yeah. Right. So. I think what it really highlights is how dirty we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you wear shoes inside the house or do you take uh, them off? The I take them off. off. Do you? Yeah. My wife and I are having that conversation. I've always kind of, those people have annoyed me, but I guess it's becoming true. Uh, it's probably a good practice. Well, it's, you know, what I, I travel a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I'm in and out of airplanes, airplanes and, 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 restrooms in airports yeah. and the Delta Sky Club Run to a lot of Republican uh, and, congressmen and, and, and when you see uh, the people who go to these places they use the, f the facilities and they leave without washing their hands yeah. uh, my last trip which was before I was grounded uh, from from uh, traveling last week uh, I noticed actually there are now lines of people washing their hands which is good yeah yeah yeah, well, there's that meme going around. It's like now that we figured out how to wash our hands, we can start working on shapes and numbers next. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and well, I mean, not not to say that the, the washing of the hands and the face and the hand sanitizer that would have would have prevented all of this. Well, it's a rest. So the guy was saying, and I'm sure you probably already knew this, but it's breathing it. It's it's airborne. So it is airborne. Yeah. So you can wash your hands all you want, but if someone's out there coughing, sneezing, whatever, and right. you're in that air. And vi vi different viruses have different uh, lifetimes in, in their droplet form, right? Yeah. So they can survive outside of your body for, you know, the flu could be, you know, a few hours. Uh, like HIV, vi the virus itself sees anything that's high oxygen, it just dies. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, so, but we don't know enough Didn't about I just this. Did you see like a second person was cured of HIV or there was it in the news? 
I, I haven't seen that, okay. but it, it's possible. Yeah. People have been working on on treatments for HIV for a long time. But, but, but look how long, I mean, an example oh of treatment, right? Sure, yeah. Since the 80s, they've been working on HIV um, now let me ask you this question. treatments, and now we, we still don't have a really good one. Um, well, so I'm sorry, I'm going to go in a couple different directions at once, but uh, you answered this question for me on the uh, Facebook, and timeline-wise, you said best case, couple weeks, most likely, couple months, well, I think I, I think eight weeks is the short game sort of um, plateauing, where there starts to be a downturn, a, a leveling anyway, leveling and a not growing of cases if handled correctly. Um, and you think how it's being handled now? How do you? I mean, sh well, schools should have closed right away. What about the, courthouses? There's courthouses should be closed. Yeah, the lock and wait. Yeah. Jails, I mean, you can't let everybody out, but God, I got to imagine what's going on at the jail. Well, the, the thing about jails, it, it's a contained environment, yeah. right? So they're not exposed. As long as they don't introduce anybody new and or at least quarantine them. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, so the danger is, you know, like, much like schools, is having like new, somebody show up. Kid. Yeah. The new kid from Brazil coming That's out, right. Yeah. New kid <laughs> shows up with all like the virus, subtropical yeah. diseases. <laughs> So, uh, but otherwise, everything being closed, the self-distancing. Yeah, the that, that's perfect. Um, I think that, uh, again, without any real deep dive into epidemiology and yeah. really understanding what the coronavirus really is, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I think if we are diligent, within eight weeks or so, hopefully we'll see flattening out of cases. Yeah. I, there's a, a hypothesis that... Much like the flu, this could be seasonal. Yeah. So as temperatures increase, um, it, it, may, it, it will, will probably stop shedding as much. Okay. Uh, that will buy us some time to restore some level of normalcy in our 401ks. <laughs> well, you mentioned that. And that's an interesting uh, point. Is that's what that's what's got me more concerned, and not to be you know a capitalist, but just the impact on what it's going to mean for you know workers, jobs, the economy. I mean. Where they're doing all this fun, funky stuff with, you know, the Fed cutting money. Uh, I just heard that there was some order that they're going to cease foreclosures for all banks and cease uh, turning off of uh, utilities. Yeah. Um, but then someone was telling me, a buddy of mine, uh, who actually you met when we went and saw the hip abduction, Madge, my little Iranian uh, friend attorney, he said that he heard something like 80% of food workers are going to get laid off. It's possible, um, yeah. Yeah, and he... he he wouldn't bought two handguns because he's worried. He, he, as he as he said, the roving hordes are going to try and break into us. Uh, I think that that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think that uh, I mean, it, if you it, well, if you can think about it, it could happen. But sure. I don't really think that this is this that got that one. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll get things under control. Um, again, I think in the next couple of months. Yeah, um, and then we'll see some resolution of normalcy i think the last prediction i saw from the cdc it was about maybe three to five percent total global mortality mortality rate, rate yeah. yeah which is not, not far not, well it's not far from the flu actually right on, on a yearly basis it's just we don't really advertise that or yeah. or it's about the same as hemorrhagic dengue fever you know in south america so yeah. it seems like a high number uh, but it's no different. Speaking, it's, it's a it's about on the level for this type of these types of events. I just don't know why we haven't been. We, well, I have another hy 
thing that I, I really think contributed to this is there was really after the whole Trump impeachment debacle, there was really nothing really to talk about yeah. because the Democratic primaries aren't really that exciting. Yeah. So the news really latched on to this. And yeah. I, I think 24 hours news cycles and the pundit expert type of uh, newscast, it, it's probably one of the worst things that happen in human history. And it scares me just because with so much of this stuff, I just feel like we're breaking new ground and we can't come back from it. But, you know, I, I was on a I was on a podcast called The Yard Sign a couple of weeks ago, and it's a conservative talk show. And I was the uh, as I uh, named myself the token liberal. But, you know, there was kind of the, the mumblings of this being a liberal hoax. Oh, God. And yeah. I was I was just logically trying to think about it. How does this hurt him? Like. If any opportunity I see for a leader to be a leader in the public eye, I think is politically speaking a, a gift. You know, you know, you everybody wants that deep impact moment, that Armageddon moment, that you know, to be Morgan Freeman speaking on the steps of the White House and giving people confidence and whatever. And I just, you know, couldn't have been mishandled more. Now, what do I? Well, he's not a leader, right? Well, so we can agree to that. He's holding a position of one. Uh, but what is this about? I don't even know what it's called, but there was an agency that was actually set up for monitoring and uh, addressing these types of things. Do you know what that agency was called? No, no. It's a, it was but mentioned in the, the Rogan podcast. Well, they talk sure, about but, it. Yeah. But yeah. is it true or do you know if it's true? And if you don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but that it was disbanded effectively when he took off? Yeah. So that's uh, you can go on, on Snopes or, and, and yeah. find out. Yeah. So there, there was huge fun cuts to the CDC. Um, there were fund cuts to the, uh, sort of pandemic response, sure. uh, funds, uh, and well, that good news is maybe this will be, uh, a, a turning or a changing of direction on that. Just like Homeland Security was. After yeah. I think, I think, well, I mean, we, we, we had, I think the, uh, I think after SARS and H1N1 and Ebola, um, we actually we knew it, what to do, and yeah, and it was keep, handled. We, we have to keep relearning that the oven is hot. When well, you, you know, it, it, it's you know, if you want, if you want to build a car that functions well, and you start removing parts from the engine, yeah. guess what? Yeah. It's not going to run well yeah. very very much, so uh, for for much long uh, longer. Um, so, I I do think that there are some basic things that need to be funded, and CDC is definitely one of, one of those duh, yeah, uh, sort of. M allocations of money of my tax money that i'd like to so here's a tangent for you uh, as you're aware both my parents passed away of cancer within the past couple of years yeah. and uh during the time that they were uh treating i was reading about it and you know on on reddits or message boards with people who were suffering family members of suffering and there's always this kind of line about uh, pharmaceutical companies standing in the way of the cure or that this thing is much more treatable than uh, it's being purported to be because it makes people money. Do you think there's any truth to that at all? Or No. Okay. Uh, and uh, having working for a company with a really exciting pipeline in oncology, yeah. I can tell you that's not the case. We're, we're trying. To go the other uh, way. I, I'm going to tell you, if, you're, if you want to know who part of the blame for this, and I'm, I'm just going to... I'm, I'm going to fuel the heard conspiracies. Yeah. You, you heard it here first. So in the past, uh, the National Institutes of Health, funded by our tax dollars, yeah. were the leaders in research. And the leaders in 
coming up with cures yeah. and treatments. Uh, they fund all the research across all science labs, pretty much. That's publicly public health related um, across the U.S. There's a big problem. There's a tumor at that institution in the way it funds external research. Okay. Which is the and the tumor is actually spread into the medical schools and colleges and universities and their science departments. So if I propose a research project for four years, let's give a round number, and it's going to cost a million dollars. The moment I ask for that funding, I have to overproject by 45 to 55% in terms of dollars. Why? Because when I get that money back from the federal government to fund my research, schools are taking 45, 55% right off the top. Okay. You never see that money okay. as a researcher. Interesting. So now you overinflate your budgets. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. You need the money for research, yeah. and the schools are going to take it. Yeah. And they have this sort of, you know, you've heard of tenure. Yeah. Tenured professors. Uh, so the the benchmark is is pretty high to reach a tenured, uh, sort of associate professor level. Right. Uh, and that so the bench. Schools are grifting the money off. They of... they are, and and what and there's and what they do is that they raise the bar so high that. Tenure is much more difficult to get, and really, what's driving that is dollar value. Like, how much dollar can you bring into that school? Which is like sports teams or any of these other things. Right. They're all, they're yeah. all investment yeah. properties for the school. Now, if you're a researcher, now at a university, there's no. I mean, there are good people out there, right? But as as a person, uh, and part of the reason why I left research altogether, uh, well, at least at the bench was part of it. Uh, there's, there, I saw no motivation, especially from people who have, had been tenured or, or about to get tenure. And again, this is my experience. Sure. Um, to actually finish anything. anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were working, they were publishing, and they were getting more money, but... But it's like, it's like politicians never, with no term limits. Right, yeah, right. I'm just going to do it and, to get reelected. And, and the, these good old boys and good old gals or societies that form to review your grants... They actually don't fund their competition. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. If you see Harvard on it, that goes to the to the yes pile. Yeah. If you see University of South Florida, you that may go in the maybe or not at all pile. Yeah. Right. So that's a big problem. Uh, I think that the whole funding um, of grants and just allocation of funds for research should be that needs to be completely overhauled. Have you seen it done better in any other countries or no? Okay. No, no. And again, my experience is is limited. Uh, what I do know is that certain countries do actually provide a basal level of money to keep people who are less productive. So like socialized grant money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, and they're functioning well. Yeah. You know. So, and that's usually in European, you know, more social, yeah. social aware countries. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Well, um, I've learned a lot today. Well, yeah, I mean, we could talk for hours on any of these topics. Musically speaking, uh, are you doing anything at all now, just besides? Uh, yeah, so you amazing know, amazing your wife with your <laughs> sweet hot licks. And yeah, she, I mean guitar licks. Yeah, but, she uh, does. Well, both, yeah, hopefully. Lick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, I mentioned that the Liquid Kitchen is now sort of everywhere. Yeah. Uh, bi-coastal, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but we still record. 
Do you really? Yeah, now, well, now it becomes a lot easier now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like what I'm using, Garage right? And some of these other things. Yeah. So we actually sometimes it's interesting because I'm I'm recording and then Jason will log into my computer and actually engineer it. Yeah. From Vegas. That's so badass. Yeah, yeah, and we do online rehearsals. That's so. Cool. Uh, so you can actually play together online. Well, I mean, it's. I, I'm wondering what will come of this because, like, you see, Neil Young is doing live concerts from his bedroom right now. Yeah, yeah. I think a um, lot of people are. WrestleMania um, was going to ha now it got canceled, but they were just going to do it in an auditorium with no one there. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are plans of putting together a Liquid Kitchen show in Vegas. Yeah. Some hopefully. End of April, early May. Oh, that would be awesome. If if things are back to normal. So in terms think, of social gatherings. Give me a little jam before you go. Uh, I could. I'm, I'm I'm a shy performer. Well, it's okay. No one's I here. I have performance anxiety. No one's here. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I they, have they, guitar they, performance anxiety. Ph pharmaceuticals for that. Uh, yeah, I know. You should make a a pill for. Uh, yeah, for guitar performance. Yeah, guitar erectile dysfunction. That's right. Yeah, some of us have that. Just a little shorty. You're playing a sweet Zeppelin one. I wouldn't mind that one. Though. It goes to say, too, that I'm not an acoustic player. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what kind of tunes do your audience like, like everything, yeah everything. yeah do you have any brazilian do you have um, any like uh here we'll, we'll do one of liquid kitchen songs okay. right? right yeah we wrote this awesome. one awesome i can't sing so you're just gonna have to deal with that's the fine. with the uh, actual plane itself that's fine. Yeah, that's a actual song called Big World. Big World yeah, off of your it, it, album. It, yeah, it's off of Two Days a Night, and it's quite uh, it maybe a little poignant now. So I like it. Yeah, I like it. Spin it on the way home. It was a pleasure <laughs> having you by Gio. I really appreciate it. Thank you for. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Giving uh, me another twenty minutes to pick up my daughter. I, I remember uh, when you first mentioned this to me. I said, "Well, I don't even listen to podcasts," and and I, I often don't. But I've heard a couple of yours, and I've listened to a couple of yours, and did listen to a couple of Joe Rogans before, too. Well, I appreciate that yeah. I've broken the seal, as it were, on your yeah. podcast listening. And I think I think I, I, I kind of identified the reason why I haven't. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I've really, really become a devotee of okay. the podcast. It, it, people go, well, you listen to the radio. It's like, yeah, but most interviews don't last an hour. Right, right. And especially if, you, if there's no video feedback, I'm a visual person. Well, you know that's a that's a debate. I, that Jonathan Torres, who does that uh, yard sign podcast I was talking about, he's been a big proponent of us doing video here. But you know, technologically, there's some hardships in it. And then I gotta I gotta brush my hair, and which you know, yeah, I'm I'm lazy. But uh, you know, the thing the thing that I love and that I say is is in a weird way, it's taking what has become a demon of modern society, that being. Uh, the internet and social media and actually using it as a way to get to know people and have long-form conversations yeah, yeah. 
because in our lives, how often do we talk to someone for an hour? You know, it just doesn't happen, not even with our spouse or our children. So, you know, I get to learn some amazing stuff from people that I've known all my life just by getting past how you been, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, the, the small talk is definitely uh, one of the plights of having your face glued to a phone all the time right. and having all this stimulus around you. Um, the best thing I've ever done um, was to start wearing a watch again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... You don't have to pull your phone out as much. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I got one. I don't ever look at it, though. I, I, didn't, I didn't wear I it today. I have changed it from daylight savings time, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Geo. My pleasure. Thanks right. for having right. me. Take care.